Hello, Jeff Johnston here, host of the Living Undeterred podcast, and I have my good friend, and um, I'm reciprocating with Vincent because I was on his show a couple weeks ago, had a great time. I've been following him on social media, and I'm super, super stoked to have him on the show today. The genesis behind the Living Undeterred podcast was to find people and organizations that demonstrate resiliency in, in the face of or despite of situations that happened you know, as I say, happen for them, but a lot of people say happen to you. Um, we're going to navigate through that, kind of your why uh, on on why you do what you do. But I will say out of all the stories I've met on, on social media, yours is quite compelling. Uh, what you have done, despite what happened to you, your tra traumatic brain injury that you had. Um, we'll get to all this. I'm super excited. I have attention deficit, so I may be all over the board. Um Vincent, welcome to the show. I'm uh, again from uh, the great state of Florida. You're in the Tampa area. We had a condo in Clearwater, so I'm very familiar with that area. And I call actually Tampa my second home. I love that area. Well, thanks for having me on, Jeffrey. I'm glad we're able to connect again so quickly. We'll have to keep finding ways to do some good work together. Yeah, and you're doing it, man. You're doing a lot of great work. I Like I said, um, your work you're doing with kids uh, you've done so many different presentations. I'm not really sure where to start, but I, let's do this. Let's start with the incident. Let's start with the day. Uh, I know it quite well. Cause I've, I've watched your story unfold. You and I've talked many times, but let's go back to, to actually what happened and, um, add a little perspective, talk about the ups and downs, and then we'll get to eventually what you're doing today. Absolutely. It was a dark day for me family, friends, and it's not something that just happened to me. It happened as I learned to so many people around me as I'm so grateful for the support I had from people. I decided to walk home one evening. We were out at the bar getting food. There was drinks and I didn't want to drink and drive. I didn't want to get in the car with someone else drinking. As I decided to walk home, I get close to my house. I realized I had forgot my keys that night. So I turn around and go back out to try to find my roommates, but was unsuccessful. And as an early bird, you've learned, Jeffrey, I get tired pretty early at night just because I'm up so early. So I was just focused on getting home, letting my dog out and going to sleep. But this short walk, less than a mile, almost turned into a death sentence because I was hit by a car as I almost finished crossing the road about as far as where I could throw a football to very, very close to my house. And mm. fast forward, I woke up about a week later out of a coma. Nurse asked me, Vincent, what school do you go to? I said, Pulaski Road Elementary School. I was a 21-year-old finance yeah. student, but my wow. brain was all the way set back like I was five years old back to a kindergartner. Well, and I, I had to relearn to walk, talk, spell, you name it, use the bathroom of my own. And it taught me that I could either sit and sulk, cry, why me, why me? Or I could turn something horrible into something great because I'm able to help people along the way through my story, my experiences, and the great collaborations I'm fortunate enough to make, whether it's in the books or my podcast, I've been lucky enough to have Jeffrey on a mental health break. And I think that conversation alone could help everybody who tuned in. What memories do you have of that, that moment? Um, I mean, do you remember your last moment you have or your most recent moment uh, of that day? They say that whatever part of the brain it is, I forget block certain bad memories so you don't revisit them. I, I forget okay. like all the scientific terms, but no, we were out that night. I remember being on the foot, walking home, stopped, got a cool blue Gatorade. Gatorade, cool blue is my number one thing, especially yeah. early morning, <laughs> late at night. And that was just it. It was just 
uphill battle from there, but a confusing battle at first because you didn't understand why something I didn't do wrong. I, someone I've never met before in my life and now my life was affected forever. It was just a tough time wrapping my head around not understanding why I'm there. What other injuries did you have other than your traumatic brain injury? I had a broken tib fib, which is when your bun bone comes out the leg and they put a rod in the mm -hmm. middle so your bone could grow back around it in a straight line. Um, there's permanent, you know, like pus areas around the leg, just like higher skin. The scars are improved now as 2013. We're almost at 10 years since it happened, which is crazy because some parts felt so long, like they were going to be forever and never ending. Mm -hmm. And some parts now as we're back, especially past COVID, life's moving so fast. Now you're a, a workout buff, I take it, right? Yes, every morning I do some kind of exercise. It may not just be weights, but um, it's my mental health cheat code. If I don't work out or exercise, yep. I'm just overthinking. I'm not thinking clearly, and I'm not really productive that day. I follow you. I'm kind of in the same mode. It's uh, I was never a big, I would call work. I mean, definitely not a weight guy. You can tell I don't lift a lot of weights. Um, but I was... I was a basketball player. I played college basketball. I played golf. So I was, I was an athlete. So when I got into a certain age, um, especially when I quit drinking alcohol, I lost a bunch of weight. I felt like I, I could get back into better shape. So I've started actually getting into running, which is really odd because I have a back issue. I have knee problems. I tore my Achilles tendon off. You know, I have the, I have the creaks and the, the groans like every 56 year old has, but I really enjoy running on my elliptical. I mean, I try to run uh, up to about two hours a day and it's very cathartic for me. It's very, um, there's lots of peace and solace that goes with it. Um, I can catch up and watch a lot of shows, documentaries I'm interested in with mental health and stuff. So I can understand, you know, the attraction to going to the gym and those type of things. Cause for me, it's been very therapeutic. And if I don't do it for a day, I can really feel it. Absolutely. I'm in the gym no later than five o'clock. I'm usually wow. up around. It's not a good thing, but I'm usually up around three or four every day. I get a few things done. I have my morning's routines. and It's good for you, though, Vincent. That's that's what I think as a mental health advocate, I heard you say before, is that whatever you're doing is the right way if, it, if it's right for you, right? Yeah, maybe unorthodox the most. Right. But <laughs> I'm not a night person. I never had been. I was always the first kid to sleep at the sleepovers. I was just never productive at night in any way i leverage what's good for me as i'm getting a little older i eventually i'm going to try to transition that to more normal hours as i hope to meet someone but right now i'm still all in entrepreneurship things are really just getting started even with um just writing so back to college so you were 21 so what year were you were you like a sophomore when this happened i was a few days before which should have been my last semester of a senior oh wow yeah, did, you, I, did you did you finish up your degree yeah, I had a medical leave because I, there was just so much uncertainty. Right. I did make a miraculous recovery. They said, I mean, I wasn't supposed to make it the first night. There was speculation if I make it then. Then I mentioned how to relearn to walk and talk. Right. But then to go from not knowing what school I went to to back in the classroom that same you know year was wild. It was January 2013, and I was back in summer classes that summer when they said I would be 24 seven aid for a full year, then recovery and all of these things. There was just all these timelines and expectations that just taught me that expectations are just that. And it's just what people expect. 
if you dedicate yourself to something, I mean, the sky's the limit. It was just 90% past some estimates and expectations because I was religious with everything. I didn't miss a meeting as much as I didn't want to go. Right. I didn't miss anything. And me and my mom would be bickering back and forth about going this and that. But I, I did what I had to do because even though I was back in New York where I spent, you know, so many years, I didn't really feel at home because and I was just taking away the ability to graduate with only a few classes left in my finance degree. Those later classes, extremely difficult. So just to have that stripped away, I, I had to get back in the classroom. And granted, I'm not using those degrees directly right now, um, doing things I never would have dreamed of. And I can't wait to see where it keeps going. Where did the accident happen? Uh, in Tampa on a street called Howard, where there's the restaurant. In Tampa, bars. okay. Yes. And what college did you get your degree from? University of Tampa. Okay. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, like I said, I know that area very well. That's a that's a respectful school, and it's it's awesome that you were able to get your degree. Did you have a lot of naysayers early in the after the accident saying, hey, you know, you're never going to do this, you're never going to do that? I mean, and, and were you, here's my second part of the question, were you always wired like this? before the accident or did the accident kind of create something or pull something out of you that wasn't in you before the accident? Well, there was definitely limits and limitations people placed on me as far as I can do this, 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 but then I just kept opening my eyes. I knew I wanted more. I didn't know what more was, but I went and studied for my GMAT and I'm studying around the clock. I'm talking mornings. This is all I had to do before summer classes and I'm bombing these practice tests and I can't understand why I'm putting in the work. Why? I was in denial still a bit about where my brain was and my ability to retain information. I was a student who could look over a piece of paper, glance over it and get a B on a test. And then I became a student who had a read, write, type, read, write, type over and over and over again to retain just a little bit of that information. And then, yeah, it was more difficult, more challenging, but it was either work with my new brain, my brain injury, or let it define me. And I wanted to define it very badly. And the look I had on my mom's face at my MBA commencement, I went, I stayed on, ended up getting better brains with better grades, excuse me, with a brain injury than I did without uh -huh. my mom smiling as I ended up speaking at the commencement for my MBA was really mm -hmm. just a moment I'll never forget. And I use that as one of my motivating factors in this entrepreneurial journey now where I got hit in 2013. I didn't really start doing my first speaking till that commencement 2015 and that which led to brain injury support groups and then now just a little more diverse than what I can do. You know, mindset's everything. And you know, this, you and I've talked about this before. I was watching a documentary the other day and I can't remember the name of it, but it was just on Netflix. It's pretty good. And they had a little series on a guy that was, and it reminded me of you when it was telling the story. Um, he was in his twenties, um, you know, just a, a normal day. Like you're talking about hit by a car. And in this case, he's um, uh, paralyzed from, you know, the hips down, I think it is, but he's in a wheelchair, but he's become this, you know, they have a, a Mr. Olympia weight uh, contest and he's in the, um, the wheelchair uh, division or whatever the, I'm probably really politically correct, hacking up the terminology here. Um, Cause I don't want to use the word disabled because right. that's not what you guys look at, what you're going through as a disability. Um, and so, but anyway, he ended up getting like fifth in the Mr. Olympia and, you know, he's this big, huge weightlifter and they were interviewing him at one point and he broke down and he said, you know, like being in this wheelchair has been the greatest gift I've ever been given. And the things I've done since I've been in this wheelchair, I don't think I ever could have accomplished without being in the wheelchair. 
And that hit me really hard. I'm like, wow, imagine the strength and the mindset to take something like losing your ability to walk and all that goes with it. And, you know, to say that this made you a better person, I'm like, wow, I love that. I, I, and I absolutely lean into people like that. Those people are infectious to me. I just, and that's why your story is similar. You know, you've could have sat back and said, oh, I had this accident and woe is me and wanted all this attention and pointed fingers and bitched and moan and drank yourself to death. And you didn't, I mean, you, you're now an inspiration like this gentleman is. And, um, that's what it's about. That's life is not fair. It's cruel. It's unjust. It's unkind yet given the right set of circumstances and the right mindset, it can be the most amazing, awe-inspiring journey that we could possibly be on. You know, there's certainly going to be ups and downs, most of which we may not want, but right through the darkness, you try to find the light at the end of the tunnel started to see it. And now as terrible as what happened to me was I'm doing the, my best to, as I mentioned, use all these stories and experiences and everything I've gained through this hardship to give back. And I think that if I stick on this path a little bit longer, I'll be able to expand my reach as high as I need to. What's the most lingering effect that you can talk about that you have that um, came from the accident and what still is the biggest challenges that you have, uh, whether it's cognitive issues with your memory or just getting up in the morning and trying to move around? Uh, it was probably the memory. I didn't notice a significant memory change for six years, maybe a little over six oh, years. Wow. I was writing Left for Dead, A Story of Redemption, which is my first book. It introduced the world to who I am, the hospital stay where my mom had a journal of everything I said, did, ate, you know, all the ridiculous things for two weeks, and then ended off where I spoke at graduation. And I was mm -hmm. so used to thinking something, write it on a post-it, thinking something, write it in my phone, hammer, hammered in my head, and all of a sudden I'm typing. And I remembered something I didn't write down and just put the smile on my face, very similar to when I ran for the first time. Granted, I can't run on pavement or anything hard because of the discomfort with the rod, but that motion of being able to do it again was just this mm -hmm. huge smile on my face. And now, I mean, I just know I have to work with my memory, whether I'll forget it or not. I'm just, that limitation um, may have turned into a strength because I'm able to just be very hyper-productive if I'm always not forgetful. How big has your family been during this whole journey? Oh, very instrumental. My mom ended up taking the whole month off work. I lived in the hospital for a month. We covered there, I should say. I, I say lived because at the time with a traumatic brain injury, there's a lot of uncertainty. Some things are day to day and some things could be year to year, as I mentioned in my memory. So I never had a release date. So I'm just anxious. I'm sitting there and um, just not knowing when I'm going to get out. So that was just mm -hmm. something that was like a killer for me, man. Like, how do I find hope when I don't, I'm, I'm here forever? I was there for the Super Bowl watching in the hospital. Mm. But some of my friends came. I don't know if you've had PDQ. Have you had that when you're down here? Chicken place? Mm, no, I have not. They opened one actually up in New York. Now they brought it to the hospital for me. It was one of our favorite things. We watched the first Oh, okay. <laughs> um, then in Tampa, also from that hospital bed, Gasparilla Festival. It was my senior year, Gasparilla. And I'm watching it from my bed. Whoever is unfamiliar with that, that is like a Mardi Gras type parade. It's the third biggest one in the country. That's overlooks the bay. We have Bayshore mm. Boulevard, which is the longest connecting sidewalk in the country. Yep. And there's the pirate ships in the water. And it's it's yep. really just a great day to bring the city together. And Tampa General Hospital is on the water there. So I'm watching this whole thing from my hospital bed. Depressing, you could say, in a way. 
but it was just truly motivating me to just get out of that hospital bed, keep doing everything I didn't want to do. And when I say didn't want to do, I mean, start the day riding an arm bicycle. Once you get past that level zero and you have some thoughts coming back, that's a very tedious task when you're stuck in mm-hmm. riding the arm bicycle every day, getting woken up by a woman to dress you because you can't dress yourself. You can't go to the bathroom on your own. You have to click mm-hmm. a button. So all of these things, it just built up inside me to, I need to get, I need to get out of here. I need to get out of my life. And I mentioned, I, I didn't know what I wanted, but I wanted more. Well, let me ask you that. You said, get on your life. So you're in the hospital, this events happened. Some time has transpired. Now you, you understand the significance of your injury. Yeah. Was there a particular moment or day or something that happened where you decided I want to be a mental health advocate? I mean, what, 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 how'd you, how'd you get to where you're at based on this accident where a lot of people, it goes, it goes down a completely different road. Um, and you found this, this thing clicked inside of you. You thought, wow, you know, I'm, I'm going to be a mental health advocate. How did that happen? What's the thought process? It's funny because if you look at it, finance degree, MBA, mm-hmm. that was my degree too. <laughs> it's I wrote left for dead. And then the next step was, okay, I got this book. It's a step in the right direction. I had thought it would be this big money-making thing, but you realize as an author, you monetize it right. in different ways. I said, how yeah. do I extend my brand a little further? I said, let's start some podcasts and we spread the brand through there. I had that entrepreneur show started December, 2019, and then a mental health break started January, 2020. And for that, I, you know, to extend the brand, I Googled top mental health advocates in the country top mental health mm. doctors in the country. I'm reaching out cold mail, all this stuff. I ended up getting a couple of real big doctors to hit me back and start the show off and then extending the brand down the mental health break, 2020, January, COVID, March, 2020. Everybody's home. Mm. Everybody's home. Got nothing to do. Losing their mind. Yep. Boredom. Hey, would you like to join this podcast? They tell friends, friends, friends. All of a sudden, at one point, I have three months inventory. Dwindle it down. I've got like six months inventory. And from there... I was just like, I've, the message is in the right spot. There's been tweaks. I'm sure as you know, as a podcast host talking, mm-hmm. you know, you, you change the way some things are said, you move some things around, whatever. But those doors of the mental health advocates and professionals just led to more mental health advocates and professionals like through you. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up on your show. So the mental health advocacy just keeps spreading. But I just think... It's the only way to do it right now is to focus. I focus on entrepreneurship and mental health. Everybody needs conversations around mental health, whether they want to admit it or not, join podcasts as guests or just listen. We could all use a pick me up throughout the day when times are extremely challenging. And now it is winter. The holidays just passed. Uh, It's a very anxious time, you could say, for people, perhaps. So we try to just let them know they're not alone. So you've authored some books and you've done a lot of different types of presentations, but it seems based on what I've seen you do, you gravitate towards the youth of our country. The, I would say Gen Z, that's like 10 to 25 years old. Is that a correct statement? Do you spend most of your time talking to kids? And I guess the follow-up question is, um, what's the most rewarding part of that? Because the other option is talk to people that are maybe a little bit older. Yeah. Um, thank you for the opportunity to talk about this because I believe that the, that generation may have been most impacted from COVID, not in the sense of finances yeah. and money, but these are the developmental years you see behind me, mental health week, 
This is my elementary school book. I'm a fifth grade teacher and I take the kids on a mental health week field trip. Can you show that up again? Yeah. Just put that up. Yeah. There you go. Mental health week. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cool. And I take the kids on a field trip to end fifth grade on the magic track, like the magic school bus where they go places. This is the Yeah. Because walking has benefits your mental health. I team up with a bunch of experts that I teamed up in the older students book. Mr. Lancey talks mental health. They're the experts back in here with the exception of a few different ones. And as we go on the track, we talk about different things related to mental health. And in this book, uh, if I can just find one, I have learning checkpoints and things for teachers and parents to work with their kids on, hmm. as well as some activities in the back to do at home, because I think it's important that to understand a lot of influence happens in the household where if we could start it from the top down, it can go a long way. And then, as I mentioned, I'll talk about exclusively here. My latest book is Going to School. It's my last age group for my mental health series. It's now called the Healthy Minds Book Series. And I have a book called Going to School. It's a mommy and me aged book that's going to be bundled with another book like this for elementary school. But this is maybe third to fifth grade. This one will be mommy and me to that third grade, an extended book as the students learn to read more on their own. It's in English and in Spanish. I've been taking lessons for over mm. a year and a half now. I'm still not the best, but it's work in progress mm. always, as you know, in entrepreneurship. And I think that book will make a huge difference because it's potentially, A, the first book a kid will read on their own, the first mm. book a parent will read with their kid or a guardian will read with their students. Mm -hmm. And a lot of adults, or not a lot, excuse me, there are many adults who are not bilingual. I have learned through the process of learning Spanish, where this book is intro to English and Spanish. Everything I write will be in both languages. So maybe my hope is to also teach the parents one or two things. Is this being picked up by some local schools down there? It's scheduled to be released. Well, I don't really have a schedule yet. I wanted it to be out for the holidays, Jeffrey. I really did. But I learned I can't force things in right. the <laughs> It will happen. I yeah. That is the goal. Well, Mental Health Week I have used in many schools. Mr. Lancey talks mental health as well. I am hoping that my brand continues to extend and grow so I can make a difference on more schools on a larger scale, keep getting involved with students who maybe their parents see these books and they say, I wanted Vincent to bring in my school. And that's what's happened mm -hmm. now. So I'm hoping to keep that effect going. Yeah, you should. Uh, I should. Well, I will, after the show, get you hooked up with our mental health expo uh, staff that were okay. having the Cedar Rapids first Cedar Rapids mental health expo on May 6th of next year. And our goal is to bring in the top, top mental health advocates that I can find in all areas of mental health, not just depression, anxiety, right. suicidal ideation. We're talking about recovery, addiction, uh, everything that goes with, with, um, you know, in, in improving our, our mental wellness. But yeah, I'd love to talk to you about having, having you come out, um, you know, get a booth, participate in the expo, have a chance to talk about your school curriculum to the people out here in Iowa. Um, you know, that's how, that's how my projects have all grown just by collaborating with people that I, I tend to, you know, respect what they're doing. So, absolutely. um, so what are other projects that you're working on right now, uh, aside from the book and you got the podcast and you're a motivational speaker? Yeah. Um, I try not to get too far ahead of myself right now. I constantly have 15 things in progress and it's always more productive. I can get one thing on and move on. But as you know, as well in entrepreneurship, there's a lot of moving pieces, a lot of things that aren't in your control. 
And I, mm -hmm. from my accident, I learned how short life is. I don't just wait for something to end before moving on. My biggest yeah. project I've been working on for a year and I wanted it out this Christmas and it's not even going to be ready until maybe next holiday season. Mm -hmm. That's a two year thing. The books right here. Um, I planned out my next series now that the mental health is done. It's not going to get, I'm purposely not starting it yet, but there's going to be a five book series yeah. to come out with that. I really am more focused on now using these books in the schools, using them at local clubs, organizations, making a difference with the youth around the country, then soon worldwide. Uh, sky's the limit I've learned through networking, just continuing to meet like-minded yeah. folks like you. And now I'm hearing about a possible mental health expo and just that helps you continue to grow. I'm confident in the work that I've put in and grateful for the people I've collaborated with the books. Once they keep getting in the right hands and principals who are valuing mental health PTA presidents who are valuing mental health. Yeah. I wish they were more because I've been in text message basis. I may have shared this with you on my show with seven principals before this co like end of COVID. And I feel if you give someone your cell phone number, you're going to want to stay in contact. And then obviously there's no hard feelings because there's a lot of external factors. Yeah. All seven bailed on me one way or the other. Which yeah, uh, we, it's not surprising. We could do a whole nother show on hard parts of entrepreneurship. Actually, last night here in Sierra, I, I host the uh, Living Undeterred Mental Health Radio Hour. So I bought an hour of radio time, and each week I have a live call-in show on AM radio here. Amazing. And I bring in different guests from around the country. And last night we did a show on. This is my. This will be my. I think we've been doing a show now for two months. Um, but yeah, I just decided I got bored and. One bought an hour of time and figured out pay for it some other way. So I've already, I only have, I only have one sponsor on the show. Uh, that's ASAC, the area substance abuse council, which I'm a board member by the way, but, um, and they are one of our sponsors, but last night's show was education and mental health. So we tried to talk about the issues with discussing mental health with adolescents in high school, primarily, or, or junior high. And it was interesting perspective. We had a DEA agent on that, um, given presentations to over 160,000 kids wow. in, in 14 different countries. His name's Rocky Heron. I'll have to introduce you to him. He's out of San Diego, ex DEA agent. He's like you, he's a trailblazer. He's hyper-focused on talking to these kids. His presentation is primarily on drugs, but he spends a lot uh, with the mental health aspects and the addiction issues. But um, yeah, he, he, he just expressed a big frustration with the funding and the, and the government's lack of uh, resources that they're allocating towards education in schools for drug addiction and mental health concerns. It's like, there's, there's just not enough advocates. There's not enough money. There's not enough emphasis because literally every single child in every single school has some level of mental health you know, Absolutely. it's a spectrum, you know, that's one thing I, I get really frustrated with. And I'm sure you would agree. Now I'll let you comment on the school thing in a minute, but the way it's treated as, Oh, Vincent has a mental health issue, but Jeff doesn't, you know, that's not true. I, the reality is we both do, but one of us hides it better. And one of us wears it more on our sleeves. I'm just being metaphoric here. Right. That's not true with either one of us. Um, yes. But it's like, you know, there's a spectrum with mental health like there is with autism, like there is with maybe attention deficit or bipolar, schizophrenia. It's not, it's not just everybody's the same level. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think things like depression, anxiety, everybody has it. It's just some, it manifests to become a big problem. Others, they've learned to kind of adapt with it. Would you agree with that? And then go back and I want you to comment on the, the frustrations you have with 
the the lack of edu the lack lack of emphasis on education in schools. Well, I can even say right there, there's the budget money has just disappeared in so many scenarios. I learned that the student, or at least down here in Florida, if they're not physically in the classroom, that budget money is reallocated and not brought to them. And in COVID 2020, 2021, a lot of parents kept their kids home. So the yeah. budget money was raised. But then, then which assemblies do you do? And I have learned that there were schools that didn't even have any extracurriculars or new performances, presentations, assemblies, which is almost a hardship, a disadvantage to the kids taking away from their experience, whether mm -hmm. it's my presentation or not. I learned that they were just going foregoing because there was so much other responsibility that school leadership had. And I thought that was unfortunate, but I had also come across some amazing educators who've done great things that are high, you know, are emphasizing mental health. So I'm grateful for that because no one could do it alone. We need to keep helping these kids. As you mentioned, these Gen Z kids, they have an uphill battle. They do. And the cards are stacked against them. If you think about what's out there and you got COVID, that was not anything that advocates could have planned for the isolation that comes with that. Um, you know, the lack of connection and, and having relationships that, that you had previous to COVID. Um, you know, obviously social media is a thing that I didn't have to contend with at my age growing up. Right. Um, kids today can never disconnect from engaging. If it's negative conversation, they can't even get away from that. You know, I right. could go home, get off the bus and I wouldn't have to deal with the bully till the next day, you know, or deal with a, a girl that I broke up with till the next day. Whereas now you go home and kids are on TikTok and Instagram and, and just, there is no ending. It just, it's a cycle that keeps going. So if you're in a vicious, you know, a death spiral where you're just not, things are getting worse it gets magnified quicker now with social media than it ever did before. Mm -hmm. um, and so those are big issues with the kids today. And if you look at just the statistics with Gen Z, and I just got done doing a bunch of uh, studies on this because we're developing some, some, some initiatives here at Living Undeterred that I can talk to you about later. Um, but Gen Z right now is the most financially illiterate generation of all time. So this generation that is going to be the next business owners, the next leaders of society, the next teachers, the next entrepreneurs, they're burdened with student debt. The jobs are not available out there that their degree has them preparing for. Um, and the money's not there. Uh, obviously, a recession and high inflation, it makes it very difficult for kids. And most of them don't understand basic things like what's a mortgage, what's tax deductible. Yep. And so this generation of kids that's we know is kind of messed up right now with their mental health coming down the road is going to get worse because they're the most financially illiterate um, uh, generation as well. And then the other part is, I know this is a lot I'm throwing at you. There's not really a question here. It's, it's more of a statement or an observation. Thing. It's helping. Um, is that, you know, they're the most lost when it comes to meaning and purpose as well. They're the, they're the generation right now that's the least religious generation. Mm -hmm. They're the most spiritual. So they're more likely to believe in tarot cards and horoscopes and that type of stuff. Yeah. So let me take all that data and say, okay, Vincent, here you go. Here's the market that you're talking to. Here are the things that they're interested or not interested in. How do we as advocates get their attention? That's my question to you. Like you mentioned even before with social media, kids are glued to this phone. Everywhere you mm -hmm. look, kids are on their phone, staring at this phone and creating anxiety for themselves for no reason. Addicted right. to these phones. I don't think they have the type of addiction it is yet. Maybe they do. What it is like people who are stuck on their phones, addicted to their phones. 
but they're consuming the information they want to consume when they want to consume it, how they want to consume it. They're not bothering with anything else. And now with the famous exceptions of people who make it big without going to college about without right. education, they can do it on their own YouTube university. Right. And in some cases, of course that has worked, right. but as far as putting in the work, actually working, doing all of these things, I found my peers, even it's not the same anymore. Even trying to find, I have marketing help for me, assistant interns. They work for two, three weeks. Accountability issues already again and again, not there. And I share the best mm -hmm. one I'll share with you, trying to find help of someone to want to work, not just put it on their resume. Right. This girl said, Hey, I'm out with my family. I'm not going to be posting today, whatever. So no problem. Enjoy the time with your family. She forgets that we're friends on Instagram and is posting a <laughs> happy hour with friends. So I was just yeah. like, damn, I'm pretty easy going to work with. Just, just do it. However you want to do it. I say, just, just make sure you do it. And I, well, I was impressed. You sent me a note this mess this, this morning before this podcast that you had taken a week off of social media and posting. So yeah. I, I love that. I think that's something that adults, kids, you know, any, anybody could, can do. Um, does that something you felt you had to do? Did you feel like you were doing too much? Cause I know I do. And Ooh, I like oh, to take I, kind of a I lose, social media boycott as well. I lose like 10 to 30 followers every time I, I do it. And it's, you know, it is what it is. I value my time off the screen off because I'm always either writing, mm -hmm. I'm on the screen at all times. I've now used like planable it's called where I've scheduled out Facebook and LinkedIn for like three weeks. So those are up. But of course the algorithm is this reels and all of that, which is the time consuming. So I do what I can. Mm -hmm. I don't think there'll be a school or club or individual who won't hire me because I don't post every day. I don't right. think that'll be the yep. case as much as yeah, going viral is how you make it. I, so I hired someone to do TikTok. got TikTok off the ground. We're going back and forth. Still a lot of work on my end because I got to do some yeah. filming. But she ends yep. up becoming the illustrator on uh, going to school and then back at school, the book bundle coming out. So the reels take a back seat. But now that these books are hopefully, hopefully, hopefully finishing this next week or two, um, she wants to go back to doing the reels. And then everybody on my podcast, I'll have the reel for them, which is going to be great because I think that will be helpful in attracting people to check it out. I could put that reel on. YouTube, on yeah. Instagram, on everything. And the algorithm, however you do it, is not my friend. I have over 7,500 real people following me. And sometimes I get yeah. like seven, eight likes, but it's also a testament yeah. to building that discipline to be not caring about outside opinions and all of these yeah. things where your likes don't make justify you for influencers. They may determine dollars and cents, right. for everybody else, right. that is not the case. That's just more building maybe egos, feelings, right. kind of self, whatever, but stick to your mission. Everybody out there, take it from me. Where some posts get three, 400, some get seven and just tune out that noise and you'll, you'll find yourself going a long way. Well, you're doing something right. Cause I, you caught my attention, um, uh, a year or so back, uh, some poster or something you, you put out there and, um, that's, that's why you're on the show. And that's why I reached out to you. Um, you know, I think it's all hands on deck. And one of the things I realized on this summer tour I did last year around the country, we met with 40 different States and, um, probably was the biggest eye opening, uh, you know, journey I could have ever embarked on with my two boys. And what I realized out there, Vincent is there are a lot of Vincent Lancey's and Jeff Johnston's out there. Yep. Like a lot, like 
when I mean a lot, I'm, I'm, there can't be too many, but, but there's a lot. And they all have amazing, compelling stories. Problem is that I saw when I was out there is most of them are siloed. In other words, they have a compelling story. Maybe their son or daughter took their own life. Maybe they're uh, in recovery. Yep. Maybe they were sexually molested. Maybe, you know, maybe they attempted suicide. Um, so they have a compelling story and they want to share it. But the problem is, is that they are agenda driven. So they're focused on one thing. Like right now in my, in my life, you know, you know, my son died from an overdose of fentanyl. And when I mean agenda driven, what I mean is that, that I, it'd be tempting for me to be this massive fentanyl, anti-fentanyl advocate, go after the drug cartels, blah, 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 blah. And I, I think for me, I'd, I'd be distracted of my bigger calling and that, and that's to work on, on why did my son even go down that road? I know fentanyl took his life. I'm not going to eradicate fentanyl. I'm not going to, you know, I'm, I, I know I'm one voice. Sure. If a lot of people got together, maybe we could, but where's my time most well spent for me in my life. Yep. And that's the demand side. That's, that's figuring out why these kids feel that drinking and vaping and lying and stealing and, and ultimately things like heroin, which at that point was, he was on the road long enough where heroin was just inevitable anyway. Um, but, but why go down those roads in the first place? And, and when did this first happen? And could there have been roadblocks or things that I could have done as a dad done better? Um, and, and that's, that's my passion. So the summer Vincent, I just realized, you know what, I got to start bringing these people together. I gotta, I gotta get Vincent on my podcast. I gotta see if I can get him to come out to my expo, get him on my radio show, give you a chance to what little platform I have now give you a chance to tell your story. And then my story gets intertwined with your story. And now we have a, we story instead of your story and my story, we're out there bucking heads. We're trying to do things with our own agendas. It's like, that's the problem with the mental health industry is that there's no collaboration at the highest level. And that's really what living undeterred is all about. I just kind of said, you know what? My story's great, and, and and I mean great as in it's compelling. Of course, but there's lots of other stories out there, and if I can tell your story equally or more than mine, aren't we all helping each other by doing that? You know, and again, it can be a death spiral. You know, if you lose your child to drugs and alcohol or suicide, and it's all you do is talk about your child every day, boy, that, that can be all consuming. But if I talk about Vincent's traumatic brain injury. It gives me a break from my life. It gives me a break from my suffering and my pain. And now I can get into your world. And I just, there's something about that as an advocate in telling other people's stories and not necessarily always telling mine. You never know who you're going to impact most. And that's how I feel on a mental health break, my podcast, where you never know which part of someone's journey is going to really stick with you. Is it going to be where they're from, right. what they went to, what their siblings went through, what their father went through, what, you know, from whatever position you're in our voice does go a long way and it took me some time to realize that and now just got to keep pushing forward i want to thank you for all the great your work you're doing jeffrey and i can't wait to see what you keep doing next and i look forward to definitely hearing more about this expo yeah I, I'd, it'd be great to get you out here uh we have different types of participation but i think your your angle towards the kids is where um you know, that's where my heart is right now. All my initiatives going forward, or I say the majority of them yeah. are geared towards Gen Z. Um, you know, I could look in the mirror and say, Hey, Jeff Johnston, what's, 
I'm 56. I got maybe 20 really good productive years ahead of me. Not that I won't be good at 76, but you know, maybe at that time I'll try to think about retirement, but certainly not in the, in the immediate 20 years, but it's like, where's my best, where's my most valuable emphasis? Is it to get the 42 year old house mom to quit drinking two bottles of Pinot Grigio? Is it, is it to stop the guy that's a compulsive gambler that goes to the casino and, and drinks and he, but he's 37 years old, you know, twice divorced, or is it that little fourth grader, that little second grader that's innocent, that, that is looking out the window that has, has dreams, has big ideas, wants to be a fireman, wants to be a, a pilot, wants to be an astronaut. Um, and we can keep them on that road instead of rehabbing them and doing interventions later in life. Maybe we can prehab them and intervene. And maybe that's how we really impact society. And I thought to myself, yeah, that's, that's where I want to be, you know? Um, and I think you're kind of in the same, the same mindset because most of your initiatives are geared towards the same market that I'm trying to work on right now. Yes. I agree with you there. It's really important for us to impact these kids positively and provide either resources or voices or at least stories for them to let them know it's not okay. I mean, it is okay. Excuse me. It's okay to have these feelings and emotions, right? You're normal. Yep. And just keep your head up and you will make it. Yeah. I, I, I say to myself, it's not okay to not be okay. (laughs) In other words, in other words, it's okay to, feel the way you're feeling. And and the reality is, Vincent, we've all been there. I've had suicidal ideation as recently as last Christmas, not this one we just had, but the one before. So 55 years old after losing a wife and my son, I ended up doing a podcast and a book and a tour. Even after all that, I I had considered I didn't want to live. And so if I can survive, then somebody who is 17 that got a D on a test and it's their first D they ever got in the same week, their boyfriend broke up with them. You know, they want to go in their life, you know, maybe my story they can relate to and say, Hey, well, this guy looks pretty normal to me can persevere in the face of what he went through. Then maybe my, at my D and my relationship that I'm going through right now at 17 isn't, isn't as big as I'm making it. And, and I think when it's all said and done, Vincent, when you and I are gone, I mean, how insignificant most, if not every single thought we've ever had good and bad Mm -hmm. just becomes so insignificant in the, in the big picture of things. And so we spend so much time as humans, so captured in our thoughts. And unfortunately, most of our thoughts by design are negative. That's just human nature, you know? So we can get to the kids, put these thoughts in them where they can have more confidence. They can have the ability to make, self-assess where they're at. I think that's a, that's a big term right now with kids. You know, it's one thing if you and I lecture them, it's another, if they come to the realization that they have issues on their own. Right. I mean, that, that self-empowerment is huge. I think Get providing them with the tools and the information necessary to help them succeed, help them thrive, help them live and lead happy lives. That's not our obligation, but it's something I think we should all be doing to pay it forward to the next generation, set them up for success. So your books aren't just education. They're actually action plans, right? I thought it was important, even in the older students book, which is older students and adults, to put the pen to paper, interaction, and make learning fun again. I think that 
it's similar to what you just said, where we can provide, we can talk to people, but they have to want to do it. If you provide the resources, you provide the tools, at least they will think about it rather than not thinking about it, not doing it at all. Have, um, have an accessible resource to keep finding ways to get these in schools. So these kids do have these tools. I'm sure when you get notes from kids, it makes you feel pretty good. Getting a note, the, the occasional note, the <laughs> hug from the one out of 200, maybe, you know, whatever yeah. it is, the kids you really get through to, I mean, as a speaker, you know, actually matter percent are not paying attention. They're in La La Land, some here, some there, some that pay attention, some that take away a lot, you know, there's different levels to it. You want to try to create as many uh, positive experiences, lasting memories as you can. In the opening chapter of my book, I talk about a class that I spoke to with my son uh, about three years ago. So this was about three years after Seth had died. And we actually went back to a freshman class where he actually had literally sat in the same room. And when I got done, like you, you know, you do like seven of these in a row, you're pretty exhausted. And it was like one of the last ones, this 14 year old, I saw him kind of hanging back because kids were coming up and there was a line of kids asking me some questions and I could see this kid back there. And I thought, oh man, I either said something that triggered him because he looked really distraught. Mm -hmm. And he came up to me after everyone had kind of left. And I'm, I'm sure you can relate. You've probably had this happen many times. And he handed me a little piece of paper and said, Mr. Johnston, stay strong. And, um, here's a 14 year old telling me, i.e. the motivational speaker guy to stay strong because he saw me break down, saw yeah. me cry, saw me, saw me really get emotional. And, um, then he went to tell me that he actually has been in recovery in an, in an alcohol rehab facility at age 14. And dude, I tell you, if that didn't just punch me in the gut that right. I got to get off my seat, I have to start, I have to start really 14. I, I never realized that you could be in recovery at 14. I thought that was something that 30 year olds do. Right. So these kids have lots of things going on that we're not aware of as parents. At least in the bright side of it, he is getting help that he needs. And yeah. hopefully he can find the tools to not make it a lifelong challenge for him. But it's funny. I went there to change lives and one little kid changed my life. That's <laughs> Isn't that, isn't that just the beauty of what you and I do is yes. it just takes one kid that probably that moment didn't think, Hey, what it's I'm not going to say, any, I'm not going to say anything that Mr. Lancey will, will understand. And then all of a sudden he comes up and hugs you and your, your whole life has changed, you know? Absolutely. It, it's awesome. Hey, how can people reach you? Um, how, what's the best way for people to get your book? And I'm going to have links when this posts on, on all your information, but I want to just say that anybody out there that wants to get some really good information to it's in the hands of their children, uh, you ought to check out Vincent Lancey's uh, books are, are amazing. Thank you again for having me, Jeffrey. It was great to see you again. And to everyone viewing on, thank you for supporting his show. He does so much great work. Make sure you check out everything he does. I'm Vincent A. Lancey on Google, social media. Be sure to check out YouTube where I have some of Jeff on there as well. I had that shiny object syndrome for a long time in Instagram and realized I was neglecting YouTube. So I'm putting a lot of effort there. Check that out. All my mental health books are on Amazon. I just, I believe, got approved for Barnes & Noble, which is cool. A couple mm -hmm. things I'm trying to start 2023 off on the right foot with. Um, but again, for mental health related right now, we have Mental Health Week for elementary school students and for older students and adults. Mr. Lancey talks mental health. 
stay on the lookout for my mommy and me book the last mental health books i'm putting out for right now where that's the english and spanish book for parents and young students well listen brother uh really appreciate all you do and i know you're just starting you know i mean you i feel like you and i haven't accomplished much yet and we have a lot we have a lot of work ahead of us and it's all hands on deck with mental health especially for generation z so keep living undeterred my friend thank you very much for being on the show and i look forward to our paths crossing very soon again man thank you